Welcome back, everybody, to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Game's premier podcasting duo. My name is J.W. Crewall, and I'm normally joined by Riley Hulbert, but today we have the wonderful and the lovely special guest, Aaron. Aaron, from Twitter. I don't know. How, how do people, like, like, know you at this point? <laughs> uh I have <laughs> some some people know me on Twitch as Nidorina, um, but unfortunately, someone has that username on Twitter. So my only uh, social media platform with a different handle is Twitter. Gotcha. Which I feel like most people know me from, which is Dumb Librarian. The dumb Librarian, yes. So Aaron Palmer here with us tonight. Um, I ask you, how's your day going? It's going great. I um, worked today. I'm feeling a little tired, yeah. <laughs> but. Um, but feeling good. How are you, JW? You know, today I found out the gender of my first child. So it was very exciting. And we are, tag team listeners, having a girl. So I'm looking forward, you know, like give her like five years. She's going to be destroying the juniors division. I know it. Absolutely. I will be rooting for her. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I mean, me too. And like, hopefully the juniors, like amount of players in like my local area is still like very small. So she can just kind of show up and just, you know, take it, take it home. It, it's such a meaningful thing to have you on here to talk about uh, your project. And especially today, like knowing that I'm bringing a little girl into the world, tell us a little bit about what you are up to and what uh, what special project you have for the Pokemon TCG community? Yeah, so I started a new diversity initiative. It is called Palette of Friends. And my goal here is just to put more women and more people of marginalized genders uh, at top tables in Pokemon. I personally have never felt more empowered in the game than when I've seen people who look like me uh, at top tables. Most notably, when I first started playing competitively, I watched Natalie top cut at Collinsville, and that was a really meaningful thing to me. It made me feel really seen um, because I was used to going to my locals where I was the only woman. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that by starting different projects that help women and people of marginalized genders, sort of get that leg up and gain equity in the community. I think the more that we'll see that. And I think the more that we can empower and encourage more people like them to play the game. Okay. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I'm just going to summarize exactly what you said, because I, you know, I've been on the website, so I already know what's going on. You know, I, you've asked me what you've been kind of like teasing this now to me and to a few others, I'm sure for, um, you know, a couple months now, right. It took a couple months to plan and, and we can talk a little bit about that too. But uh, just to summarize, um, you know, it's a male-dominated hobby, uh, particularly in the um, playing sphere, you know. Um, and so, it's this initiative is is going to help uh, maybe some some either inexperienced or you know maybe unconfident players to you know get well, and we can talk about the specifics, uh, but to to you know help them uh, feel confident and and perform uh, at a, at a high level. And again, with the idea that it's growing the game because there's going to be more people seeing, Oh, okay. Actually, you know, women can play and like, Oh, Hey, she, or he, or, or they look like me, you know, and, and they're playing and that's really cool and they're doing well. And I want to be 
there one day. So uh, talk to us a little bit about how it's all coming together. So like what, you know, we've talked about the project. How is it going to be um, enacted? So I thought about my own experience. Uh, I, you know, I, I decided I wanted to do something and I didn't know what it was and it took me a while to sort of come up with it. And when I thought about my own experience in the game, I thought about how I felt my most confident in the game when I was friends with people that um, would help me and challenge me competitively. So most notably, everybody knows I'm, I have a very close friendship with Danny Altavilla, who's a legend in the game. And um, just having access to his brain and his skill set really helped me improve as a player. Uh, there was a summer where um, Isaiah Williams, who is also from Mississippi, uh, ha had come back for the summer and was living at home. And we traveled and tested a lot together. And that really helped me improve as a player as well. And so when I thought about what I wanted to do to help uh, women and players of marginalized genders gain equity in the community was, well, why don't I just offer them free coaching? So mm -hmm. I started to sort of round up people that I knew that I thought would say yes, um, donating their time to uh, a cause like this. And when I realized that it would be possible, I was like, okay, this is the plan. We're going to offer uh, these groups of people uh, a free coaching session from notable players in the game with a lot of accomplishments. And um, yeah, it just, I thought that this was the best path to take to sort of achieving the overarching goal that I had outlined for myself. And I hope that this is just one of many projects that we'll do. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you about the future of this. So um, you have a kind of panel of coaches lined up um, for players to get in touch with. Can you kind of go over who you were thinking about and, and who you've um, who you've assembled, I guess, as your kind of palette of friends, Avengers. Yes, yes. I really like that descriptor of it because that's really what it feels like. I was so overwhelmed and touched by the response that I got. Um, a lot of the people on this list, I mean, you included JW. JW is one of the coaches. Um, a lot of the people that I had reached out to and asked to do this, um, I was kind of expecting them to be too busy or, you know, like they just simply can't say yes to these opportunities because they have other ones lined up. Um, so I'll just kind of read off the list and uh, these are all featured on the website. So mm -hmm. first up we have uh, an alphabetical order by first name. Uh, we have Alex Shemansky. Um, he has won the Players' Cup twice, uh, most recently. And just again, legend in the game, awesome guy. Then we've got Andrew Mahone. And I don't think I really need to explain Andrew Mahone at all. Um, he is uh, a super notable content creator here on Twitch, uh, as well as, you know, just a long history in the game. Mm -hmm. um, super, super awesome and happy to have him as well. Um, we have the legendary, I feel like I keep saying legendary, but I just don't know how else to describe <laughs> all of these people. Um, we have the legendary Azul Garcia Griego. Um, mm -hmm. Again, needs no introduction. Uh, the guy has won uh, five regional championships, uh, as well as, you know, a long, long list of accomplishments and um, being an awesome content creator as well. Um, we have Chip Ritchie, uh, 
who co-casted with me in Knoxville and is an official Pokemon commentator, um, as well as a content creator here on Twitch. And we have Henry Brand, the current world champion. Very cool. um, it was really funny when I asked everybody who, um, or what, what accomplishments they wanted me to feature on their bios, uh, all Henry wrote was current world champion. And I thought it was just extremely <laughs> and so funny because I mean, what else do you need to say? That's like the point of winning worlds, right? Yeah. To brag. And he's got it so good because he's got to brag for the last three years. <laughs> right. Right. No, I know. And um, also just someone who being international, we have two um, international coaches on here mm-hmm. and being international, I was just really touched that he would um, sort of work with, with me on that um i think that's really awesome yeah that's huge. um and then next we have jw crewall hey let's go you don't uh, need to don't need you know you can just get past me that's <laughs> <laughs> when i was uh sending all of this information out um jw had a mistaken uh accomplishment in his bio and uh he pointed it out to me and i was like i don't know what you're talking about i don't see a, a, a mistake in that. and i was so wrong <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I did not, in fact, get top eight at 2012 Worlds. <laughs> it was not, I was like, whoa, did I? I mean, my memory's slipping, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nearing an age to my 30s. So, you know, maybe I forgot back then. But. No, that was just very funny. Um, and then next up, we have Luke Morsa, a.k.a. Celio's Network, uh, content creator as well, um, and uh, had a really strong run at the Limitless Invitational being a finalist. Um, next up, we have Michael Prabowat. Um, he was a finalist at 2010 Worlds, as well as a seven-time regional champion. Um, very, very worthy of the title of legend as well. Um, and then Stefan Ivanov. Uh, back-to-back NAIC champion, uh, also an international coach, uh, which I was very excited because I have a feeling that we may have some applicants for this program uh, from Europe, and I think Stefan can really come in handy there um, as uh, far as his time zone goes, and um, also just brings a lot to the table in terms of his accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And then uh, two more, uh, Rahul Reddy, uh, top eight EUIC 2019 most recently, um, as well as a, um, what was the, uh, the tournament called the invitational? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember the name of it. <laughs> and, uh, and then finally Tate Whitesell, creator of Pokey Stats and, uh, two-time Players Cup qualifier, uh, and someone who contributed very largely to this project. And I'm very grateful for his help. Great. Yeah. That sounds like a great lineup. I, when I, you know, cause you were talking to me individually, so I didn't really know the scope, right? Because you're kind of, I don't know if you'd call yourself the director or the <laughs> organizer, whatever it is, but uh, I didn't really know the scope. So she, you reach out to me and you're like, Hey, you want to be a part of this? I'm like, yeah, sounds cool. Like I, I would definitely, um, you know, try when I, when I can. And, um, you know, and then to see kind of everything else that you're, you know, slowly revealing, right? Like, uh, all these other players and stuff getting together. It's really cool. And I think it really speaks to the, um, at least the inclusive bent of the higher level players. Because I think we, you know, we've had you on the cast before, Aaron. You're actually our first repeat um, repeat guest, which is great. But I think, you know, as you talked about before, it's like the community as a whole still has a lot of work to do in terms of inclusivity and um in terms of, you know, making people people feel welcome. But 
I think you see, you know, the gauge kind of kind of air more inclusive, like at the top, right? I think the top level players are uh, on on a large scale, very much like we want to bring more people in. We want to help more people. You know, we're, we're very generous with time, I think, you know, at, at least, you know, <laughs> from my perspective, no, no. and like, I very generous uh, an with amazing that. precedent for um, other people in the community. Um, I, I recognize that um, free coaching to specific groups of people can feel a little polarizing, but um, I think that seeing a bunch of notable people in the community, people who um, have garnered a lot of respect through their accomplishments, um, through the communities that they've cultivated on their various platforms. Um, I think when those people sort of step up to the plate and set the example, it's a lot easier for the average person to sort of take a step back um, because those people, you know, I hate to call you all influencers, but you do in some way influence the community. And so um, I think just setting that precedent for other people is really awesome. And I'm super grateful for that. Yeah, that's really cool. What are, or what were, you know, as you were planning this out, what were some reservations that you may have had? I hear you kind of talk about that saying like, oh, it might be kind of polarizing to, you know, offer this to a select group of people. So like, what were some of the other things uh, and maybe expound on that idea or some of the things that um, were kind of made you hesitant or, or made you think twice? Yeah, um, I have a very storied history in the community sort of advocating for things. And, um, you know, when you are very, like, steadfast in your opinions and um, in your convictions and how you feel about certain things, um, people who disagree with you, um, it might rub them the wrong way. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I do um, have a lot of anxiety about the way that... Um, the community perceives me sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, I, uh, you know, about two years ago, I was in Danny's chat and a bunch of, you know, sock puppet Twitch accounts came in and started harassing me mm -hmm. uh, with very specific and vulgar names, and it was super hurtful. Mm -hmm. uh, and it honestly made me quit the game for a couple months. And so for me to even like be here announcing this and putting myself out there is like a big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a lot of anxiety around that. Um, but the most important thing is that, you know, when that, when I had this idea, I reached out to so many of my friends and so many people who's, who I knew, who I knew would be objective about, um, Alex, especially, um, Alex Hill, not Shemansky. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> um, what, uh, and, and when Alex thinks that one of my ideas is good, I know that it's really good because he would tell me. <laughs> He's very honest. That's the one thing I love about Alex Hill. He just tells it like it is. Yes. And so when he supported this idea, I um, decided that even if it did get backlash, there are so many people that it would benefit and so many other people that sort of are in my corner on this one. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was able to sort of get over that anxiety. But um, as far as the program itself being polarizing, I understand that when you exclude a group of people, um, it might rub them the wrong way or it might hurt their feelings a little bit. But I just want people to understand that um, I, I think sometimes people get too focused on the semantics of the word equality. Mm -hmm. Like equality is when men and women are equal. 
but really this project is about equity and not equality. Right. So there's a group of people that historically have been underrepresented in the community. And so this project is about giving those people a leg up mm -hmm. and it's not about taking away something or giving one um, group of people an advantage over another. It's about getting the other group of people on the same playing field, so to speak, as the majority group. Sure. Absolutely. What, what would success look like for you with this project? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> success is just at least one person gaining the skills and confidence to continue playing despite any bad experiences that they might have in the game. Um, I think even, even if one person comes out of this a long-term player, I think it will have an immense impact on the community as a whole. And so if I can get even just one person, um, like I said, my overarching goal is to get more women and more people of marginalized genders at top tables. Mm -hmm. And so if I can get just one person up there as a result of this project, that would be success for me. And um, multiple people, obviously, the more the better. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Really, really exciting. Um, so let's talk about, you know, women and people of marginalized genders. Um, can you just, you know, if I'm a person who, who thinks that I, you know, belong in that category, can you kind of maybe define that just a little bit more if I'm like, oh, well, do, do I qualify? Like, do I not? Can you just give me kind of, uh, uh, you know, your vision on, on who that, you know, kind of includes and, and maybe like who that kind of excludes? Um, yeah, yeah. So um, I initially when I came up with this project, I had it as just women, mm -hmm. because that's the perspective that I come from. And the more people that I talk to, the more I realize that people of other gender identities are also, you know, also experience the same um, ostracism or harassment or abuse, or um, even just general uncomfortableness mm -hmm. <laughs> in the sure. community, that my experience also parallels them. And so why not also offer that opportunity to those people as well. Mm -hmm. And so basically when I say women and players of marginalized genders, I mean, anyone who is not, um, was not born a man and identifies as a man. Mm -hmm. um, and I hate to be so blunt and specific, but that's really what it is. Um, yeah. I think that transgender men experience just as much um, uh, misogyny and uh, abuse as uh, you know, women and people of other genders. I think that non-binary and gender fluid and gender queer people also experience abuse as a result of their gender or gender identity. Mm -hmm. And so because I realized by talking to other groups of people that my experience so very much paralleled theirs, I decided that that was something that I wanted to include or those were people that I wanted to include in this project. Great, great. So. If you're going to speak to, you know, like, let's say, you know, I, I'm, I'm a woman or a person of marginalized gender and you're speaking to me and you're saying, you know, I, I'm kind of nervous about maybe signing up for this project uh, because I'm, you know, I, I've never really, you know, I know the game, but maybe I've never played in a regionals before. Like that seems to be how people, you know, determine if you're good or not. Like if you've ever been to an in-person tournament, people keep asking me this and I never have. And I feel a little nervous. Like, what would you say to somebody um, like that? who is kind of on the fence about joining, um, you know, maybe like give them, give us like a prerequisite that you want 
people to apply to have? And then also, you know, if you're speaking directly to somebody that's on the fence, what would you encourage them? Uh, yeah. So this, this program, this initiative project, whatever you want to call it, is all about, um, you know, the, the only thing that you need to bring to the table is just a basic knowledge of how to play Pokemon. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're experienced, that's great. You can sharpen your skills and get a free coaching session. If you're brand new to the game, you've never played competitively. Um, maybe you've played in one or two online tournaments, or maybe you haven't even done that yet. Mm -hmm. um, this program is definitely also for you um, because the coaches are going to teach you rudimentary skills that you'll carry with you your entire uh, journey in Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, things like sequencing and, um, you know, how to choose the right deck and mm -hmm. just, like I said, those rudimentary skills that are really necessary for being successful in the game. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. So, I, I, and I, I'm just kind of like thinking and, you know, let's say someone goes through, um, you know, this project and, and it sounds like there might be some future projects, which we should talk about, but how cool would it be to see someone that, you know, gets a coaching session, has never gone to an event before, and then eventually becomes uh, someone who is, you know, coaching up the next generation of women and, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, other gender people, right? Uh, Non-male gender people, like, that would just be really cool. So. Yeah, um, I agree. And that's really the goal here. Um, this is just the first project, like I said, I hope that I can expand this in a lot of ways and just continue that impact. Yeah. Um, but I, I was really sick of, I don't know if anyone is familiar with the uh, girls in esports cycle. Um, mm -hmm. It's a, just a never ending circle of um, people complaining that women don't play you know, a certain game and then receiving harassment when they join the game and then eventually quitting. And then the cycle is never broken. Right. Um, and really, I was very inspired to break that cycle. And I hope that that's what this does. Awesome. What would the future entail? You, we've kind of hinted there a couple of times. So uh, this project is a week long. Um, so you know, what would be the future of Palette of Friends? Um, I hope that I can get women and players of marginalized genders the resources that they need to be successful. So whether that's, um, I, I would love someday to be able to host articles written by women and people of marginalized genders. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that would be really cool. Um, I remember a couple years ago, I tried to start a podcast with a friend um, and our goal was that, our goal was to feature voices in the community that never or rarely are heard. Um, because I, as someone who consumed a lot of Pokemon TCG competitive content, I never saw people like me giving their opinions on specific matters. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love maybe someday to do that. Um, that's just a complete hypothetical, but things like that, things that are going to either, you know, lift the voices of people from those groups or, um, get them the resources that they need to be successful. Um, I just kind of want to be this, um, resource for, those people as a whole. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So let's talk about where people can go to find out about this project, find out about Palette of Friends. Can you give us, um, you know, maybe a Twitter or a, a website perhaps that people can go to? Yes. So I have set up a website. Um, it is hosted on neatarena.com. That's neatarena with an E. Um, I know probably Tate is in chat. He can probably type it there. 
so needarena.com is sort of like your one stop place for all of the information that you need about this project, including uh, the application as well as frequently asked questions and a contact form if you have even more questions. Mm -hmm. But um, yes, like I said, all of that is going to be on needarena.com. Um, I uh, also set up a Twitter as well, and it's a little bit more um, or a little bit harder to convey. <laughs> sure. <laughs> It's palette of friends, but only with one F. So it's so it's kind of like it's kind of like the Irish way to do it. Palette of friends. Yes, <laughs> yes the the Irish way to do it. Um, yes, palette of friends, if you will, um, or palette of friends, but the of shares an F with friends. <laughs> Love that. How did you come up with the name? That um, is my favorite part about all of this. So. I struggled so hard to come up with a name because I wanted something so general, like very general and not um, really that specific to me because I, I wanted a lot of people to be able to contribute to it. But um, I was asking a bunch of friends if they had any ideas and everything that everybody suggested just didn't really click until Bailey Serafinsky, mm -hmm. who's a mutual friend of ours, uh, messaged me after I asked her and said, there's this ED card that has a move called Palette of Friends. And the move does 10 damage for every different type of Pokemon on your bench. And I know it's kind of corny and cheesy, but I just really thought that captured the message of what I wanted to do here. And um, I thought that the name just really clicked and sounded nice, as well as being sort of meaningful in a discreet way. Yes, absolutely. I think it has a, a huge depth to it in just three short words. So Palette of Friends, you guys can find it www.nidarena, that's N-I-D-E-R-I-N-A.com. And then also at the Irish pronunciation, Palette <laughs> O Friends on Twitter. So Aaron, thank you for joining me today and, and uh, you know sharing your voice here on Tag Team. Uh, any last words that that you'd like to share with us that we should know about the project or anything personal you want to share um i just want to say thank you thank you not only um to ujw specifically for being a coach and contributing to this project but also sharing your platform with me um, as well as honestly cultivating a community where i felt comfortable to come on here and mm -hmm. do this mm -hmm. um like i said i have a lot of anxiety about twitch because of um past negative experiences. And so for me to be able to come into the tag team community and speak about this um, with little to no fear, uh, I think speaks levels to the kind of community that you and Riley have cultivated. Um, and I think that you are great influences on the community and I'm just very appreciative that you let me announce it on here. Awesome. Well, this is really exciting. I can't wait to see um, not only the results of, you know, December 1st through the 8th, but also where this can, can kind of carry us uh, in terms of, you know, equity in the Pokemon TCG community. So thank you once again, Aaron, for joining us. We are going to be right back after a brief intermission. We're going to continue the second half of the podcast. Just me, myself, and I, Riley, is on assignment finishing his work i guess i don't know at this point what riley does in his evenings i tell him riley you know you gotta have a life 
outside of work. And he says, JW, I just cannot, you know, they're paying me too much money. I like my work too much. So many people in the hospitals are counting on me. And I say, that's great, but I really wish you were here for tag team, buddy. In any case, we are going to head straight into the card of the day. Now this card of the day, it reminds me, this is going to be like a really niche, a really niche uh, subpopulation of the tag team podcast listeners because I, and it's probably like 30 and up like dads probably know what I'm talking about, but did anyone ever read T.S. Eliot's book of cats? So this, this book of cats, and I think it has a little bit of a longer name. This book of cats is a poetry book about, you know, just as you would, just as you would imagine, it's, it's about cats, right? And that's actually where Andrew Lloyd Webber got the inspiration for cats. Check it out. Really weird stuff. I remember having an illustrated book uh, of these poems and there was one cat that got absolutely fried on the electrical wire. He's like all shook up. You know how they have in the cartoons where like they are, they're all splayed out like starfish style and they got all the electricity coming out of them. It was really scary actually as a child. Cause I'm like, well, I, you know what? That doesn't look very good. I don't want to be that cat getting fried on the electrical wire, but today's card of the day reminds me so much of that cat book and that specific page. And that is the yet to be released Jolteon VMAX. Now this Jolteon VMAX released in Japan as I think part of their main set, part of the evolving skies, but it got kind of pushed back uh, here for us as a promo. So Jolteon VMAX uh, in Japan is promo 188. Um, and for us, obviously, I think the name changes, but it's this Jolteon that's kind of like, uh, you know, VMAX, Jolteon VMAX, jumping in the air and it's kind of surrounded by all this lightning. And just the art style and all the lightning really remind me of this T.S. Eliot book of cats. And so, card of the day. There you go. Have at it, ladies and gentlemen. This holiday season, I'm giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Speaking of electricity. Do I tell my extended family that I have the performance package 4.0 from the global leaders in below the waist grooming? Not to mention, it includes their lawn mower 4.0 trimmer to tame my bush and score brownie points with the in-laws. I don't know that I would share that with my in-laws, but you do you. Gift yourself Manscaped or gift it to the man in your life who needs it. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their family cherubies. We are so excited here on Tag Team to continue our sponsorship with Manscaped. They have signed us on for another few months, which is very exciting. Go to manscaped.com, 20% off with the code tag team, plus you get free shipping. So that's an insane deal. If not for yourself, for someone else. Okay. It's like black Friday every single day with code tag team, 20% off plus free shipping. 
All right, let's get into our meta-analysis, because that's probably why a lot of people are here as well. We had some IRL tournaments recently. Yeah, the Full Grip series. And what a set of tournaments they were. So we had GLC, and I think probably the one that more people were interested in, the one that had more entrance, the Fusion Strike Legal Tournament. So both presenting uh, cash prizes totaling $1,000. And we saw some really excellent gameplay. Tonight we'll go over the standard format results. And then later on uh, next week, we'll talk about the GLC. And there's actually some bands coming up. So if you want to hear a little bit more about GLC, we'll talk about that next week. But for the 1K tournament, that happened this last weekend. We had uh, largely, I, I gotta say, largely much of the same. There, there was some shakeup as there's bound to be with the new set, but for the most part, people either stayed very safe or genuinely thought that the old decks were the best. I think it goes without saying that Evolving Skies like shook up the metagame in a massive way starting on day one. We haven't quite seen that from Fusion Strike. There's a few cards here and there that can be added to decks to make them better. We got a new tier one archetype in the Mew VMAX deck. But other than that, frankly, hasn't added a whole lot. So let's go on. Here from 8th place, Grant Manley with the single strike Umbreon Urshifu VMAX opting to go again with kind of a, a look back as opposed to a look ahead. If we were looking ahead with single strike decks, probably be playing Gengar. You guys know that I was really high on that card. I still am for what it's worth. Uh, maybe not as high as I was before it released, but it has had some decent showing, so I feel a little bit vindicated. Grant Coming in eighth place with his Umbreon Urshifu. Seventh place, seventh place, tongue tied. Andrew Wisniewski with their Zashian Zamazenta deck. Very straightforward. Once again, I'm seeing a lot of four ofs when I look at this list four of gear, four of Marnie, four of boss, four of the stadium, four research, four switch, four quick ball, four saucer, and just a ton of energy. So, Consistency was certainly the name of the game there for Andrew. Congratulations on your seventh place finish. Coming in at number six, may have heard of him. I don't know. Azul Garcia Griego. Am I saying that right? Sixth place with the Suicune Ludicolo deck. This was a deck that I was talking to Andrew Dankus about heading into the tournament. He was really kind of big on it, and I can see why, because it reminds me a lot of kind of Zashi, and you have a built-in kind of draw power with the Suicune. Um, you know, you can hit for pretty consistent damage turn after turn, but what it doesn't have, uh, you know, the, the Zashian deck is it has that reach with both the Inteleon lines to do some ping damage and the Ludicolo to do, you know, of course, a hundred additional damage. So sixth place, Azul Garcia Griego coming in at fifth, John Mustawi. I think one of the surprises of this 
tournament. John is one of those players that is always trying to play something new, something unique, something to counter what other people are playing. And I think he came up with a really great archetype here for this metagame, playing Galarian Weezing with, get this, Crobat VMAX. Yeah, if you haven't seen this list, head on over to at TCG for all of these lists. But he played a very heavy Weezing line. So we've seen Weezing in the past um, be played with Sableye. And that's certainly the case here. So a 4-3 Galarian Weezing with one Sableye. But yeah, that's the interesting thing, right? Is that most of these Sableye decks, they play like a 3-2 Weezing. Nah, John was like, I want those Weezings up ASAP. I think I could shut down most of the decks in the metagame if I can just get the ability in the active. And he had a really nice show in fifth place. Crushing Hammers, Raihans, Fan of Waves, Tool Jammers, Galar Mines. You got a lot of disruption. Even sporting a Galarian Zapdos and a Crobat VMAX, like I said. So really interesting list. Check it out at Full Grip TCG. We also have coming in at fourth. So this is a top cut. These players, they're in the money, man. They're in the money. So fourth place, Benjamin Merritt with a brand new archetype, new archetype alert, Inteleon VMAX. First time we've seen Inteleon VMAX, um, you know, premiered, right? This is a premiere for Inteleon and kind of paved the way for how a lot of people are, are building their lists now. But surprisingly, <laughs> absolutely no way to utilize the ability. Again, check out this list, Full Grip TCG on Twitter. No water energy at all. I kid you not. If you only get your metagame news from this podcast, absolutely no water energy, no way to utilize the Intellion. I think that's fantastic. It's, it's crazy. It's cool. It's wild. It's revolutionary. I don't know. Any word you want to bring to it, I think is probably apt. Going for the single strike energy and then path of the peak to try to, you know, shut down opponent's abilities, scoop that energy back up, turn after turn, and then Cheryl, four of Cheryl in that list. So really interesting. Also plays a single strike Basculin. A single strike Basculin is very cool because it's a one prizer. So you can try to offset the prize trade with your opponent. But it has 30 plus 10 for each damage counter on your opponent's Pokemon. So if you're able to, you know, use your Intellion VMAX, hit for 140, then you're going to swing for big damage with the Basculin on the following turns. And of course you have Inteleon with the quick shooting to get more and more damage on the field, augment the Basculin attack power. So really interesting list from Benjamin there coming in at third place, more of the same. And this list would be just absolutely unchanged from pre expansion format, you know, pre uh, pre fusion strike format. That's leafy on VMAX. Literally nothing different. This is like the most standard of all Leafeon builds. So congratulations to Michael Edens on their third place finish. Number two, second place, Tyler Palmison. Tyler or Palmison? <laughs> Palmison. Palmison. It has to be Palmison. Tyler Palmison with their, I know, it's crazy. Shadow Rider VMAX deck. Again, super standard list with a couple of Cresselia. That might be the only... Change, no Alchemy VMAX. Didn't want to bother with that. 15 energy, that seems a little high, but 
The results speak for themselves. Congratulations to Tyler on their second place finish. And coming in at number one, Trevor Redding with a Suicune Ludicolo build. The only change, and I thought this was fantastic when I saw this on the stream, the only change to this list from what you would expect to see out of a Suicune deck is one Pukamuku. Looks like they might have cut a quick ball. That quick ball count is at three. But one Pukamuku with that pitch of Pukamuku ability, put that to the bottom of your deck, draw a card, just a little bit of extra consistency. You can draw two cards a turn, possibly more with Suicune V, Pukamuku. Really cool stuff. So again, we should see the format open up a little bit. We should, right? Because this is week one. Where do we go from here? I think we saw at the last full grip 1K and I, I use the in-person tournaments as a little bit more of a barometer than the online tournaments because there's more at stake. Everyone wants to win a 1K or an in-person tournament. I like, even for me, I go into an online tournament. I'm playing whatever the heck I feel like that day. I didn't test. I didn't check out my last, you know, find my perfect optimal 60 cards. Nah. I'm playing what I'm feeling like, you know, and, and it's like, well, I, sometimes I'll even go even more high roll, <laughs> right? So that I can, you know, well, if I'm running hot today, I flip all my crushing hammers, you know, I'm, I'm going to win this tournament, right? Or on the flip side, I'm out for dinner. But these people want to win. They're going to bring what they think is actually the best. Uh, a lot of them I know had been testing for a while leading up to this event. And it's just really interesting to see them play these decks that for the most part, are largely unchanged. Now, that's that's not wholly true. You know, we do see an Italian um, in that top eight. You know, there are some some interesting um, divergent, you know, thoughts on uh, on archetypes that we know and love. But largely speaking, people were a little bit more conservative. We saw this in the last full group one K. Um, it's hard to go too far in one direction. Right, it's hard to go too far because if you're too if you're countering a meta that isn't actually in place, you can find yourself kind of on the outside of the meta game, and that's a really weird thing to say. But like, take take this format. So in these one Ks, a lot of people when the first um, when the new set releases, a lot of people will play what they're comfortable with for the most part as long as it can beat the next big deck. And the next big deck in this case, Mew Vmax, might actually be, you know among the best decks in the tournament or in the format or whatever might be among the best decks, but people don't want to, you know, counter that deck for fear of being countered by, you know, the, the slower evolving metagame, right? It's only, you know, one tournament, right? People are going to be a little more, um, you have, you have the possibility of countering yourself out of the metagame, right? If you go one step too far, there's always this, there's always this fear of being one step too far. Like you have, you have gone, um, gone a little farther than you needed to. You have done a little more than you needed to. You played a deck that was just a little bit on the outer realms of what you actually needed and what was required by the meta of the event. And that's a really hard thing. That takes a lot of years to perfect. It takes a lot of years to um, you'll be confident with. So I think for that reason, you know, you see, you see a little bit more of a, uh, a reserved attitude from these players, but really cool stuff. We saw some really great gameplay. Um, remember seeing 
remember seeing a lot of these Suicune decks, you know, Azul on stream, Trevor on stream, um, just doing their thing. I think Suicune, absolutely one of the better choices for this tournament because of the consistency. I cannot state enough that consistency in online events is what's going to win you the event. You know, largely, I've been playing the game for 12 years now. Largely, the high roll decks, for the most part, they're not, not every time, but for the most part, do not win. Decks like Suicune win. Decks like Leafeon win. Because they're able to draw through their deck. They're able to get the cards they need when they need them. So that is uh, not, to be, not to be underestimated. Let's talk into the future, though. Because, again, people are going to be expanding their horizons, as always happens. A little more conservative at the, at the start. But, again, you don't want to go that one step too far. And in this case, I think for this tournament, a lot of people brought dark. At least that was the word on the street. A lot of people brought single strike decks. Um, John Mastawi got top eight with the dark deck. There was a lot of dark from what I hear. So that might have also scared off the, uh, the Muse or, or might have, um, you know, hampered the Mew VMAX deck. But I think heading forward, what are we going to see? I've been doing some testing with the Mew VMAX deck, and I'm very convinced, very convinced that it's, just it's it's simply the best in a vacuum it's simply the best deck consistent powerful enough it's not going to blow people out of the water you know with one hit chaos that's not its place it's not what it's trying to do it's trying to control the game it's trying to draw more cards than you it's trying to go for that one you know big knockout it's trying to be more consistent it's trying to draw into boss's orders when it needs. It's trying to be low maintenance. I truly believe it is the best deck in a vacuum. Now, Pokemon did a pretty good job balancing it, I would say. They released actually two dark attackers that I want to talk about. First one being the Gengar VMAX. It was very high on that on release. It's doing, it's doing okay. It hasn't, you know, won any of these online tournaments yet. Didn't place at the full grip 1K. But Gengar VMAX, I'm going to stick by it um, until it just, you know, two months go by and it hasn't, you know, performed significantly well. But, but we're seeing some flashes of its, uh, of its promise in these online tournaments. And then the other dark deck to come out of Fusion Strike, Galarian Obstagoon. How about that? Galarian Obstagoon. Galarian Obstagoon, a single prize stage two. I think, uh, you know, these single prizers probably have a chance now because there's a, a lot of dark in the format in the form of single strike Umbreon that takes out Dragapult. And then the Mew VMAX deck has, from my experience, a pretty good matchup into Jolteon because you can one-shot the VMAX. You have a lot of control over their board. You can heal, which is definitely not something that the Jolteon deck wants. You know, you can shuffle your, your Pokemon back into the deck uh, with the Mew V attack. So Jolteon and Dragapult, from my perspective, should be on the decline. I don't think they'll have quite as strong a grip on the meta. I think we're going to see kind of a shift back to 
these attackers that, you know, can just take one knockout a turn. Obviously, you're always going to factor in the Inteleons, but for the most part, you know, your Suicunes, your Leafeons of the world. Shadow Rider Vs. But yeah, this Galarian Obstagoon deck, I think it's poised uh, to do fairly well. I mean, again, it, it kind of rises and falls with the Mew deck. It's obviously the best matchup for it, but it can hold its own in a lot of other matchups uh, doing, you know, significant damage for just a single energy. It's not to be overlooked. I think, again, we should see a decline in both Jolteon and Dragapult. I think another thing we'll see, kind of a metagame trend that we should see heading into a more developed format is going to be the, the concise deck building of single strike. So what I've been noticing from players that are posting on Twitter and from the deck lists of single strike players is that they're tending more and more to cut back on a lot of these tech cards. I'm not seeing as many switch. No, there's still playing switch and air balloon and stuff. Not as many switch. They're not playing as thick of lines of the Urshifu, if they're playing Urshifu at all. They're playing a, maybe a little bit higher count of the Umbreon, maybe like a three, three or four, three, as opposed to like a, like a three, two. And they're generally cutting back on the tool scrappers or the tool jammers or the fan of waves if they hadn't to play that, or they're also cutting back on, frankly, the stadiums. You know, you're seeing that as well. Seeing lists with two tower of darkness, which is pretty much unheard of for that archetype, but feeling like they can get away with it not really needing to counter any stadium. Again, with the decline of Jolteon and Dragapult, or at least my projected decline of Jolteon and Dragapult, you don't have to worry as much about Path to the Peak. Now, that's like kind of this weird cycle. We talk about these weird cycles on the cast all the time, where it's like, you don't tech for a counter because nobody plays the counter, and then now all of a sudden, everybody plays the counter because nobody's playing techs to counter the counter. I think we might see that with Path of the Peak. Just be on the lookout. I do feel that that card's on the decline. Not too many decks really um, need abilities. I mean, it, you know, of course, like Single Strike, it would be a prime example, right? You don't, you love to have the Umbreon VMAX ability. You don't need it. You don't need it. So these single strike decks becoming more and more streamlined, focused. I think that kind of plays into the Gengar. I got to say, I think that kind of plays into the Gengar. You know, we are seeing some Gengar, uh, Houndoom, Inteleon builds. That's really cool. Kind of cutting out the fighting option altogether. No way for people to get one shots with their Urshifu VMAXs, but maybe you don't need them. In the end, you know, maybe you're just going to be consistent again, coming back to that consistency piece. You're not trying to set up multiple things. You're just trying to do one thing really well. I think there's a lot to be said for that. So those are just a few of the trends that I have been seeing. We are going to open it up to the chat for any questions that you guys have. Thank you for joining us on the cast here tonight. Ramsey says, JW, why weren't you at the full grip 1K? I was surprised not to see you on the stream. Yes. I would have loved to be at the full group 1K. I would have loved to be there. 
but um, I had planned with my with my aunt and uncle to visit them. So we had planned this for like like actually like three months. I, I and I I'm not even exaggerating with that number. We had planned that like three months in advance, and so. I'm not going to try to move it or I, I would have loved to go to the one K cause I know I would have won, you know, I got second at the GLC event last time. I know I would have won it this time. I got top four at the last GLC or the last, uh, uh evolving skies event. I know I would have won it. It's okay. Sometimes you do miss some shots. That one, I missed a hundred percent of the shots. I didn't take on purpose on purpose. Calpernicus says, saw on Twitter that you're going to have a baby girl. Yes, we are so excited. Had the ultrasound today. I'm going to be a girl, dad. <laughs> It'll be fun. I, yeah, I just like, now I'm getting into this like future mentality with kids. I'm sure all the dads that are listening can relate. You're kind of thinking about, I thought I saw, you know, I was like, man, I'm seeing in this waiting room right now. I'm seeing my daughter, you know, future daughter, hopefully, you know, walk down the aisle, right? You have these like future thoughts. I think that's a lot of like having a kid, right? There's kind of this hope in the future. That's exciting. That's cool. It's scary. But I was feeling all of that and more. We were just so excited. I was hoping for a boy. I really was. I really was. But I kind of felt that, you know that coming i was like oh it's gonna be a girl i was feeling that for the last like two or three days i'm like not a pit in my stomach but just that that feeling you know you're like it's gonna be a girl i know it's gonna be a girl all of Anne's siblings are really excited that it's girl because it'll be the first girl cousin there have been three other boy cousins on her side of the family this will be our first child on um my side of the family the first grand daughter for uh, my parents grandchild for my parents but pretty exciting times here at the Creewall house so am i going to be about to shake your hand in vancouver regional i hope i can get to other regionals at this point i don't want to put anything like set in stone um yeah it's hard it's hard for me to commit at this point i i can probably commit to uh, obviously Columbus, right? That's my hometown. I can bike into the internationals, which is pretty sick. Probably do Indianapolis. So Columbus, Indianapolis, I mean, Indianapolis, like three and a half hours for me. And then I want to make it to one more. I want it to be Salt Lake city. I'd love to go to Vancouver, but I'm not really sure how that works flying across the country and, with work and everything, I, I think that might get a little hairy. But perhaps it's Milwaukee. Probably not Florida, dude. I'm not going to that cesspool. <laughs> India's Mother's Day. Yeah, see, I don't live with my mom, so it's just card. It's just get her a card. You know? Get her a card, call her. Wish her happy Mother's Day. QC Hawk says, hope they like Pokemon and then all four end up liking Yu-Gi-Oh. Ah, yes. 
Yes, I, I could see how that would be problematic for a family. Yeah, my my daughter is not going to be a Yu-Gi-Oh player. That is for darn sure. So I hope you guys enjoyed the cast this evening. Thank you so much to Erin Palmer for her time, for sharing. Again, check it out, knitarena.com. That's N-I-D-E-R-I-N-A.com. Trying to encourage and help women and people of marginalized genders in our community. This is a big deal. This is a great thing to have happen. So excited to announce it here tonight and to be a part of it, be a part of this project. Really cool. And uh, I can't wait to see where this goes or what this inspires other people to do. So with that, once again, code tag team at manscaped.com, 20% off plus free shipping. I, sorry, supposed to leave that for the middle ad read, but one last time, you know, I'm a salesman. We'll talk to you soon, guys. Thank you for joining Tag Team. Peace.